0: never paid more than six percent down on a property, with one exception, and that is a house I bought in cash to flip, um, and I closed on it for twelve grand. So I say it was like all cash purchase, but I mean it was twelve thousand dollars.
1: You're listening to the We Love Equity Real Estate Show, a podcast that discusses the intricacies of real estate investing with your host Marcus E. Maloney. Marcus is a real estate investor best known for being the Equity King. He's been awarded that moniker because he and his team find amazing real estate deals. He will be talking with investors who have done some transformational things in the real estate industry. They'll discuss their process, their strategies, and how their investments transform their lives and the communities they invest in. We welcome you to the We Love Equity Real Estate Show. Welcome to another show. Today, we have David Perrette who was a military vet um, who was in the Marines Corps and joined in August of 2008. Uh, David served in several tours, one in Afghanistan, and now he's been in real estate investing since 2015. He got started with a house hack, uh, which was a duplex that he used FHA loan financing for. And then he purchased a 10 unit apartment building uh, in Missouri. And from those ventures, he launched from military to millionaire in 2017. And he's been working with um, vets and active duty military and civilians to help them get started with real estate investing. So David, David, welcome to
0: the show, man. Thank you for your service. Hey, I appreciate it. It's been fun. Uh, Thanks for having me on the show, brother.
1: Yeah, no problem. No problem, man. So what inspired you going from the military doing these combat tours and everything like
0: that, just to just for you to get started as a real estate investor. Yeah. Uh, someone handed me the book, rich dad, poor dad in 2015, and I made a bunch of excuses for why I wasn't going to read it. So he handed me a CD and said, well, you drive a lot while you're a recruiter. So listen to it. I was like, shucks. Like (laughs) he got me. I can't, I can't say no now. Like he called me out. Um, and then I, I, yeah, I finished the book in like record time and I moved on to, I downloaded Audible and I moved on to another book and then another book and then another book. And like within three or four months, I'd closed on a duplex.
1: So you caught that bug, man. Robert, Robert mm. Kiyosaki is good for passing that bug around, man. That's it. That kind of got me caught too. And I've been sick ever since doing real estate. Yeah. So, so tell me about, um, Tell me about that first house hack, man, that duplex. What um let's kind of dive in. How did you find it and some of the numbers? So how did you find it first of all?
0: Honestly, it was an MLS find in Missouri. There there's uh it's an affordable market, so I was living there and I looked at a bunch of different places and I found the one and it, I mean it just made sense. It was listed for like 81. I think we got it for 78. Okay. And it was um you know i mean it wasn't it wasn't expensive i i think i did the math on it with the fha loan or with the with the loans and realized like my apartment is going to be my lease is going to be up in december and i am paying 550 a month for a two-bed one-bath apartment or i could essentially own a duplex with two two-bed one-bath apartments for you know it was like 65 dollars more 75 dollars more um and i was like okay yeah that makes sense um, cause a worst case scenario, I'm paying $65 more to own the place and that's you factor in equity. That's I'm, I'm actually not paying more, I'm right? Paying, exactly. Um, less. Um, and I should have used the VA loan honestly, but my lender kind of talked me out of it. I didn't know enough to know that I should have used the VA loan. So I used the FHA uh, and it was, you know, three and a half percent down. So under four grand, uh, with closing costs and everything. And I moved, I had to do, uh, not have to, but because I was living in it, I wanted to do the flooring. Um, it was like, twelve hundred bucks. I think that was about all the work I did other than painting a patio on my own and like some really basic things that I did on my own. Um, okay. nothing crazy at all.
1: And I was going to ask you about that. Why did you go FHA versus VA where you can go 0% down versus yeah. three, three and a
0: half percent? Yeah. I just didn't know any better. My lender basically was like, Oh, it's not worth going with a VA load on such a Cheap property mm-hmm. didn't tell me that I could, you know, use the VA loan more than twice. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. so, uh, I got misled a little bit, I guess, or maybe he didn't know any different. I don't know.
1: But, okay. So I, I anticipate you possibly using that
0: VA loan in the future. Oh, yeah. Future. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, yeah. I actually, I almost used it here in California. Um, I'm going back to Missouri in two years and I plan on buying a three year fourplex out there and and house hacking that Uh, just makes it just makes sense. I mean, you go back, you put nothing down and you own a house that's essentially paying you to live in it. Like, yes, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. That
1: way you're you're gaining money without putting any money out. So you're currently living in California, right? I just got stationed in San Diego. Yep. Okay, okay, beautiful weather that's a big difference from compared to what's going on in Missouri right now with mm. the uh below zero temps and everything. <laughs> yes,
0: yes, my family was definitely not uh happy about it. I mean they got a snow day, but they were not happy about waking up with negative four the other day
1: yeah, yeah, I could believe it my my family is in Chicago, so
0: oh yeah, <laughs> same thing
1: same thing, so all right, so now you got this you, you're doing this house hack, you got this duplex. Uh, You found it on an MLS. How did you find your tenants, you know, after you redid the flooring and everything?
0: Well, I actually moved into the one that I redid the flooring on. So I guess I was my first tenant. um, Okay. In that side. Uh, And it actually had a tenant in the other side when I bought it. Uh, They were under, under rent. They were at like 425 a month. Um, You know, and now it's rented at about 550 a month for each side or 525. So they're about a hundred dollars under market rent, but he was a plumber, he took care of stuff on his own, and I, I left them in there so I went from you know i mean I still went from paying like i said five hundred and fifty for the apartment to uh, one twenty five all right, so you did the house
1: hack and now that that did you use that money to help you purchase the property and is it in hawaii you bought you bought
0: no no they're still all in missouri um okay i've just been doing the long distance things since then so i yeah i kind of started saving that money when i was living in there and then when i moved i I started it cash flows about 300 bucks a month um and so i was saving that money and then i was uh my my wife who I wasn't married to at the time I bought the duplex, Um, she had owned a house. So we kind of used a, we got a HELOC on that. Um, And so we kind of did a combination of that and seller financing to buy the 10 unit as my my next like rental property.
1: Well, let's kind of dig into that 10 unit because you said a few things there. Um, First of all, you are a long distance landlord. Then two, you just said you did seller financing and you used a HELOC to purchase the property. So let's start with the seller finance. And what was the terms, you know, what was the numbers on getting that 10 unit? Because I know, you know, with some people, they say, hey, I just need to start out with a duplex and then I'll just buy another du- two units to 10 units. So what was that mind shift to
0: help you help you do that? It kind of an accident. Honestly, I was sending out letters for duplexes, triplexes, and fourplexes. And this guy called me and was like, hey, I got a duplex and I don't want to sell it to you my head I'm kind of like okay well you know like why are you calling why are you calling <laughs> yeah um, and he goes but i got a 10 unit and I was like oh all right well are you wanting to sell that he's like yeah we could talk i'm like oh, okay and it was one thing led to the next and i was like man the numbers on this aren't bad and then it's not totally seller finance so it was actually 85% bank financing and then 10% seller financing and then 5% for me um, which is kind of weird it was supposed to be 80 10 10 but uh, when we did the repair negotiation instead of giving me money back at closing. They just dropped the, the closing, like the purchase price, The purchase price, okay. um, which is a little different, but whatever. It worked out in this case, the bank, I guess, didn't get the memo. So they show up to closing, they got this check and I, I was in Hawaii. So and they basically called and said, Hey, um, either we go back, it takes us a week to like redo everything and get you a new check and you pay your full down payment or you pay half of what you were going to pay for a down payment. And we just proceed. I like that. Yeah. Option Um, B (laughs) Yeah, it was less than 11,000 for me out of pocket. Um, okay. Buy this 10 unit. And then the seller financing was, it was just 10 grand I think, or 10, 10, nine, something like that. Okay. At a 4% interest over five years. So it wasn't any, it was a really simple loan. I definitely could have gotten better terms from it. Um, I mean, I guess I really, I did. If you, if you understand how like notes and stuff work, I paid it off, uh, at 18 months, I, I refinanced it here last month and I paid off the seller financing. And when you do that, you know, I mean, I just basically said, Hey, here's how much is left on the loan. Will you, will you take it if I pay it all off right now? And he said, yeah, sure. I want the money. So I paid the 4% interest for like 18 months. And then the remaining money I had borrowed, was just totally free. So, I mean, it was probably like 1% interest on (laughs) maybe less, maybe more on the loan in total. So it's kind of cool. Well, that's sweet, man. So how did you, um, why did you guys
1: decide to do seller financing for for that other five percent?
0: Oh man, I'm in the military. I don't have a ton of money. <laughs> Every, everyone always says like, "Oh, I don't have any money to invest in real estate." Like, I didn't either. I've never. Mm-hmm. Paid, well, I okay, I've never paid more than six percent down on a property, with one exception, and that is a house I bought in cash to flip, um, and I closed on it for twelve grand. So I say it was like. All cash purchase, but I mean, it was twelve thousand dollars. So Right, right. Gotcha, not, gotcha. Not really much to. <laughs> to uh, it was not bad. Um, and then I pulled a personal loan for that flip. Um, oh, and the ten unit really, it wasn't even my money. It was the home equity line of credit. Line of credit. That I right. paid for it with. So one house is paying off the line of credit. One property is paying off the seller financing and the principal. And I'm, I mean, I probably put. Really, I would say that I have not put more than like. Five or well, I guess that twelve. So probably less than twenty thousand dollars of my own like savings in any of these properties. It's just been like rolling equity and yep. playing, playing seller financing or whatever. Which maybe not the ne- necessarily the safest way to invest in real estate, but it works. You know, it's kind of like bootstrapping, right? It gets you off the ground. Then- yeah,
1: I mean, it, it it really works, and that's what I tell people. You know, a lot of people say, "Well, you don't need money." Well. That's true. And it's not, I mean, you need some money, but you need to have that creativity to know how to create money out of thin air, you know? So you, you decided to do the, the seller financing. How did you bring that conversation to the table with the, with the owner? Cause some people just, they're like, well, why would this person want to loan me money to buy a property that they already own? You know, logically it doesn't make sense, you know, until, it does, yeah.
0: so what, what What? happened there? Well, I have this crazy trick that nobody seems to think about, and that is I just say, are you interested in seller financing? And it's amazing because people are, a lot more than you think. In fact, at times, like I will literally, there, it depends on my mood, sometimes I don't care, but there have been times where I go through through Craigslist and I just like, every home that's under a certain dollar price on Craigslist, I will just like copy paste, hi, this property looks interesting. Have you ever considered seller financing? And I'll just send, 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 And one or two people might get back to you. And then you're like, okay, cool. Now I'll look at the numbers on this one to see if it's worth whatever. And and I mean, you never know. Some of those guys might be willing to seller finance hundred percent of the purchase. And now you're walking into a property for free. Um, you know, nothing out of pocket as long as it cash flows um, or you may need to renovate or what, I mean, the, that's the great thing with seller financing is like people get so scared because they don't understand that people will say yes, but. There's benefits for the seller too, uh, especially Absolutely. if they're, you know, like if they don't, if they know that if they got handed two hundred grand, they'd blow it, then maybe they prefer payments. Uh, mm-hmm. If they knew that if they got handed two hundred grand, they'd owe, I don't know, forty thousand taxes, forty grand, right? Yeah, they might prefer to do seller financing. You still get taxed, but it's not forty thousand at once. It's a little bit here and there, um, or maybe they you know, they don't want to do a 1031 and they don't want to, I don't know, maybe they're 60 years old and to them having a thousand dollars a month for the next 20 years makes more sense than having, you know, $200,000 that they hope they can make last 20 years. So, And, and that's very, very true,
1: Dave. Um, because a lot of people that I talk to, that's the thing. They're like, well, I don't want to ask for seller financing, but it depends on the seller situation. Like you said, the, the older elderly or older person at 60 years old or 70 years old, they don't want all of that cash. They want just some cash that can supplement them monthly, you know, until they transition, God forbid, but you know, it, it's nice. going to happen, It is, <laughs> you know, and um, you know, it's just telling people that you have to ask for what you want, you never know what you get if you don't ask for it. So you were talking about the direct mail. So what what were you doing with this direct mail? So you was just sending out out mail to uh, duplex owners.
0: Yeah, I found uh, listsource.com will let you buy lists of people based on tax records, and you can go in there and it's kind of incredible the amount of stuff that you can put into um, your criteria. Yeah, I mean you can do all kinds of crazy stuff in list source, but Yeah, I was basically just saying, hey, I want duplex, triplex, fourplex owners with, I don't know, with the house that's newer than this many years and at least this much equity. Um, And it can kind of guesstimate on the equity and then you you can buy the list of names and addresses and go from there. Uh, Some people handwrite all their letters. I did that. Um, I don't recommend that. That is painful (laughs) and such a waste of time. Uh, Yeah. You might get 10% higher response to your letters, but I don't know. I don't care. Like I'd rather pay someone to handwrite them. I just, at this point, unless it's a house that I'm like dead set, like, Oh my God, that house would be perfect. I don't handwrite them. I just print and roll. And then, you know, it is what it is. So and there's a little hack with, with the
1: handwritten letters where you can handwrite one, leave the address and the name blank, run them through a, like an inkjet printer, and then write the address and the name in there, you know, so there's, there's that option. So you were sending out the direct mail trying to find um, more duplexes, and this guy just called you and said he had a 10, 10 unit. So what was the condition of the 10 unit? Why was he, what was his
0: motivation on selling? Yeah, you know, I don't know that he was, it sounds like it was just kind of him being done with rental properties. Cause I've reached out to him again and he doesn't have anything else. Um, you know, I mean, we talked all the time as, as I was paying him and stuff. Um, and he doesn't, he didn't have anything else that he was itching to sell. So I don't know the way it sounded was that that might've been the only one he had left. So I don't know if it was like he had been landlording for a long time and just was done. Or if it was like, this was my first property and I can't do this anymore. I don't want to deal with it. Um, it was definitely a little bit under, under rents, but nothing crazy. I mean, we, we've added 62,000 in equity to it, but it's not been, I mean, it's not been anything crazy. We've bumped the rents up from like 4,400 to like 4,900, um, 4,800. And then, uh, the utilities are paid by me, which is unfortunate because it's just an older building. Um, and so we, we've done some rubs, some ratio utility billing, uh, system, not, for the full amount yet, we're increasing it, but we're at probably, I don't know, like 25 bucks a door or whatever. So that still saves on expenses. Um, so real quick, before you
1: go any further, David, um, explain to our listeners what RUBS is.
0: Yeah. So the ratio utility billing system, I think is what it stands for. So RUBS is basically like, I took over this place and let's say it's $1,000 a month for utilities, which really it really kind of is depending on the time of the year. Um, I In theory, I could say there's 10 units. This month was $1,000. All of you pay hundred bucks. And then I don't have to pay the utilities anymore rather than hardwiring in a new utility system for the, just a sub meter. um, You know, these are kind of class C, C minus. I mean, they're not nice. They're in an okay neighborhood and an okay part of town. They're not super high end. A lot of my tenants are uh, either like section eight quality or um, like older retired on social security. So I don't want to just like, shack up the utilities on them too much. So we've just been slowly increasing it. Um, but even if I only pay, get half of my utilities back, that's still, you know, way better than when I bought the place. So.
1: Okay. Okay. So, um, you incorporated the rubs and that way you can kind of recoup some of the, the, that utility costs or pass it on to the, uh, tenants. So now, um, so you have this 10 unit property, how much did you pay for it?
0: Uh after the dropping the price for the repair cost, I think it came out to like 2125. So um okay. you know, nothing nothing super fancy, uh like I said, but Missouri, so it's not super expensive.
1: Yeah, but you're getting you're getting almost five grand a month um yeah. net in rent. So that's you know above the two percent rule. So you're you're definitely doing doing pretty good there. Um So you have this property you did the direct mail to find it so like most people that always say well direct mail is dead you need to do cold calling you need to do facebook ads and everything like that i'd still tell people that direct mail is still a tried and true uh marketing stream where you can find deals and you found this 10 unit deal it really wasn't even marketing That (laughs) you know, so uh, that definitely worked out because I was just telling someone the other day, you know, that I still use direct mail, and they're like, Well, you haven't switched over to cold calling. I said, Well, I do a little bit of both, but with direct mail, I still seem to find the awesome deals with direct mail because you're reaching a lot of the older population, you know, they still want the the letter in their hand so they can read it, keep it, put it on a refrigerator and everything like that. Okay. So this two 10 unit building, man, I'm really impressed. So you did 85% bank financing on it, 5% seller financing on it. And then the other 10% you did the HELOC. So basically nothing out of pocket coming from you on this, on this project.
0: Yeah, it was actually a 10% seller and then 5% for me or for okay, the HELOC, Okay, yeah, so, so, but, I, but yeah, I essentially, want... yeah, yeah, but essentially nothing out of my pocket. I okay. Mean, the HELOC is kind of out of my pocket, but yeah.
1: All right. So you said you you increased the equity in the property. What did you do? What what kind of rehab did you need to do to increase the equity?
0: I didn't do much. We just uh we painted the outside, uh put up new fascia, uh cleaned up the concrete did some land work, or some yard work um landscaping uh we're probably going to rep- repair the fence here sometime this year because it's kind of it's just an eyesore i mean it works fine but it's an eyesore um okay. and then cleared out some trees that were over the roof and made open it up a little bit I, really nothing crazy at all um so basically curb appeal, it sounds like. Yeah. And then we just slowly increased the rents as tenants turned over. Uh, they saw we had better management. They saw we were actually fixing things in the property. Um, you know, I mean, I've had to repair some furnaces. I had, uh, had some unexpected expenses. I had a guy die in there uh, like two months okay. ago and like nobody knew he died in there. So I had to bring in environmental and like pull all the flooring out, environmental clean the place. Uh, and I don't know if you've ever had to deal with like never cleaners. I never. Never. Um, but I'll tell you, on a one-bed, one-bath, like, a little tiny unit that's probably, like, I don't know, 800, 900 square feet, five grand just to clean the place, pull up the carpet, and put in new carpet. Um, it should be, like, wow. 1,200 to do the flooring. Right. So like almost 4,000 in, like, industrial hygienists or whatever they call those guys to come in and clean the place.
1: So did the did the city require that, you know, for that to happen? or?
0: I don't think the city knew about it. Um, that was yeah. – uh, I, I think that's one of those things we probably could have gotten away with just cleaning and throwing in new flooring. It's um, just not the right way to do it. I just mm-hmm. did not want to have someone move in knowing like, yeah, some dude lived like rotted in here for two weeks. And um, oh, wow. He was in there for two weeks. Yeah. Nobody knew he died. Um, it, yeah. And that's the issue. So if we'd caught it like day two, three days, whatever. Um, but it was like, I think it happened like the end of August. So it was, august september it was still fairly warm still warm in missouri um which is very humid it's just not a fun situation um so yeah there's definitely a need to bring in an environmental cleaner. <laughs> okay yeah so how did you
1: find how did you find your tenant did you just notice that he was just doing a well-being check or someone called or
0: so so he uh so i have a property manager and um that is basically yeah, like he'd never been late on his rent and it'd been like three days and they hadn't heard from him. So they just went by to like say, Hey, you know, okay. Check on your rent. Oh, no one's answering. Like and they like I guess my property manager knew he was like older um and was like worried, so they like opened okay. the door, went open in the and door. Ah like, oh, shit. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Wow! Wow, man. So that's that's a new experience. Never. God, well, it's even wonder. more fun. I because nobody like. I mean, it's such a terrible thing to say. Like, I don't say this like it's a good thing. Like, nobody. I guess nobody knew that. Like, I don't know. Like, he was old enough that like, family's all gone. Or had I, no I don't family. Really know family. Yeah, I don't really know the situation, but I know that by law I can't like get rid of his stuff. So I'm paying storage for the next ninety days for all of his belongings in hopes that someone claims it before we just like, right, dump it. I don't know. Like craigslist i don't know what you do with uh, i don't know that he had anything valuable or i haven't really talked to my property manager about that side of it but yeah normally
1: normally what we do if we have to put a tenant out or a tenant vacates and they leave property you know if it's something that's somewhat desirable you know we'll take it to the salvation army or goodwill or something like that so um so you were able to to increase the equity just by doing that little bit of work, you know, on the exterior.
0: Yeah, you know? and then, you know, increasing rent, so it's now worth uh it's worth 252 and we only owe 190 on it. So, okay.
1: So you got definitely have equity in there in case you wanted to use that equity to go and purchase something else. And that's what I tell people is is just the power of equity. And that's why I call this show the we love equity show is because once you get in a position where you can force some equity by doing a little bit of rehab and things like that, then you can then pull that money out and go and purchase you something else and redo it and do the same thing continuously over and over and over again. Um, So how long have you, how long have you owned uh, that
0: property? I guess at this point it's probably been 19 months or no, actually it's November. Um, Probably like twenty months.
1: Oh, okay. So owned it for twenty months. You made uh, forty grand from it, pretty much, uh, if not more. What do you see? What do you see next,
0: Dave? Um, I guess it kind of depends. So I'm I'm flipping a house right now because it. I don't know. I needed to build some capital, and it seemed like a fun thing to do, um, which will hopefully be done soon. And then I'd like to roll into some more. Uh, decent, like mid midsize multifamily, but I, I still like the single family and duplex. I mean, honestly, my little duplex is one of my better investments because um, it's just simple. Like it's in decent shape. It's not old. The roof's still good. You know, the people are good. So I don't know. I might just, I might just stick it out with the anything from two to uh, 25 units, but then I'm, I, you know, I've got some syndication friends and I'm all about exploring. So I might do that too. So I don't, I, Totally okay. open. I'm the guy who should probably laser focus on one thing and just enjoys like the good opportunity and the challenge. So if the deal comes along, I'm like, yeah, I can do that. It um, doesn't necessarily have to meet this specific criteria for me to pull the trigger. If it looks good and and I know that I my team can handle it, I'll go for it. And if I like that strategy, I'll do it again. If I don't like that strategy, I won't do it again. So I don't know if I'll flip another house because this one's just been a pain in the rear because my you know, the main thing that is always a pain in the rear with flips is contractor issues. So um, it's just more management intensive than it is for me to say, I bought this house, and I'm going to let my uh, property manager deal with it. So so why did you, because I know you were there when you bought the
1: uh, ting unit, why did you incorporate a property manager versus self-managing?
0: Oh, I actually bought the 10 unit uh, from Hawaii. So, um, okay, I was, yeah, okay, I was, gotcha. yeah, so I'd already moved away and I was like, there's no way I can deal with this. Um, and I'll tell you, I, you know, there's something to be said for self-managing and saving the money. I got it. Um, but man, my property manager saves my life. And I would recommend to anyone to just, if you can find a decent property manager, go with it. I spend less than an hour, maybe maybe two on a bad month on my rentals that I already own. My property manager might call, like that guy died and it was literally one five minute phone call. And it was, hey, this happened. We've called three companies for quotes. Doesn't look like you're getting any better than this. We've already called your insurance company. Here's how much your deductible is. Do you want to pay it out of insurance? Or do you want to pay it out of pocket? I'll pay it out of pocket. That was the whole yeah. conversation. Like there was, I didn't need to do anything. She'd called my insurance. She'd called environmental companies. She'd found all the solutions, knew it was going to cost for flooring. And by the end of this this week or next, it'll be done and she'll have someone moved in there. Okay.
1: And, and that's that's great because I started off, I was self-managing and I was long distance self-managing. Mm. And it was it was working out, you know, until it wasn't. Yep. You mm-hmm. know, you, that's all it takes is that one tenant that you place and, you know, they're late on rent or they're constantly saying this broke or that broke. And then when it stopped being convenient, I was like, okay, let me incorporate a property manager. And just like you, you know, I may talk to her maybe once a month, you know, and she just gives me an update. Hey, all renter, all rents are paid. This is what needs to be done as far as management or, you know, servicing furnaces, boilers or something like that. But Outside of that, like you said, it's it's a godsend because you have these properties and you really don't have to maintain them because you have somebody that's looking out out after them. Yeah. So how did you how did you purchase this 10 unit from Hawaii? Did you fly back to walk it or did you have your property manager to walk it? Help me
0: understand that. Kind of a little of both, I guess. So I had sent the letters out knowing I was going to be home for Christmas. And I was like, all right, you know, if any deals come up, I can walk through. Well, this thing didn't even come up until I was like about to leave. So I think I had enough time to like, I walked the outside of it. And I think I got, I got to see the inside of one, maybe Mm -hmm. two of the one bedroom. So there's a couple one bedroom and a couple, uh, I think one, one, two bedroom units. I've never seen that one. Um, I saw one or two of the one bedroom units. One was vacant. One had someone in it. That was it. Um, So of the 10, I saw two and the exterior and i said all right well at least i have an idea and then when we i wrote the offer based on what his numbers looked like and when my property manager um my property manager went to walk through it with my contractor and she told me what needed to be fixed this was with the inspection so she went through with the inspector and told me like okay this is what he said this is what actually needs to be fixed this is how much it's going to cost you And then my contractor was able to say yeah 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 this is what i can do it for you know whatever so i got her handyman doing all the small stuff and doing all the big stuff and then um everyone knew what needed to happen so once we closed it was like all right cool We're gonna do that 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 we're not gonna deal with this i don't care about that we'll budget for that you know and then, okay um like uh the roof probably needs some repairs coming up here this year so we we'll probably do that but i'm kind of hoping they just something like we get a hailstorm, and my insurance will sure take care it. of it yep That's kind of the hope
1: okay because I, I know that could be challenging man is 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 buying that property, knowing you only seen one or two units, because the other eight units could look like crap, and you don't know it, you know, but because you had that inspection period, you had your contractors and your property manager to walk through it. Um, So after that, because I'm just trying to make sure I frame everything after you got the 10 unit, your cash flowing pretty good, and everything like that. Tell me about the this flip that you're working on.
0: Yeah. It's, I mean, that's not anything too crazy. It's, that's the one I bought for 12 grand. Um, my biggest issue with that is that I bought this house for 12 grand and doing a $50,000 $50, renovation on it. I should have bought a house for 50 grand and done a $12,000 renovation yeah, on it for, yeah. for my first solo flip. Um, so we literally like the roof was like, I went up in the attic and I was like, Holy crap, there's a ton of space up here. So we popped the roof up two feet, put an extra bedroom up there. Um, you know, So it's now a three, one and a half instead of a two, one. uh, Added five or 600 square feet. Um, Just completely redoing everything. Leaving as much of the original like doors inside and and, uh, um, like framing and what Trim
1: and everything. Trim,
0: there's the word I was looking for. There's some really, it's got like the six inch old school hardwood trim and um, some cool features. Uh, It's an old school, like borderline colonial, like 1906 or 1902. I mean, it's an old house. it's going fairly well uh so how there. are you how are you doing that from california from san diego i found a contractor we agreed on terms and and uh draws and payments and all this that and the other and we went to town and uh it was going pretty well we've had some speed bumps i had like a subcontractor steal a whole bunch of materials and we're trying to figure out like how to get that money back and do all this other okay. stuff and um, so it's been kind of a learning experience, but for the most part, it has been going fairly well. Um, I'm going to, well, I'm going home in two weeks, uh, not necessarily to look at that, but I will be going by to look at the property. Um,
1: so then does your contractor send you pictures or do a walkthrough yeah. with his camera and show you, Hey, here's the updates.
0: Yeah. He can do like the Facebook live or whatever, but he's been just sending pictures and stuff and he's pretty thorough about it. So I'm not too worried about it. Um, and then I've I've had a couple sneaky drive-bys from from friends or you know whatever okay. take a look. Um, it's definitely not in the condition I would want it to be in right now. But I think that's again kind of because of that subcontractor issue we're trying to sort out. Um, so we're working on the. So
1: did so no did man. he did he brought the subcontractor to the deal? Yeah. So so does he face any repercussions for that occurring, or are you just saying, hey, you know what, it wasn't you and.
0: Uh, To be decided, Um, I I basically told him, look, if we come out at budget or under, no arm, no foul. I don't care. Just do whatever you got to do to solve it. But if you're going to ask me to go over budget, then I'm going to need to see receipts, police reports, what you talk to your insurance company about, what you are doing to solve this. Like, I'm not paying a penny over budget because of something that went wrong with someone you hired. Like, That's on you um and like yeah so and there's some other stuff in there so i I don't really know all of the ins and outs of i mean i'm learning how to handle all that i definitely learning some things to make my contract better with my uh contractor in the future to you know make for a better agreement as far as like terms of how much material you will buy at one time because there was a lot more on site than i think there needed to be on site um Okay, yeah, because that's that's a big risk when you have too many
1: materials on site because a subcontractor or a subcontractor's buddy or something like that can come in late at night and steal some of those materials. So that's, yeah, that's and I'm assuming that's kind of what happened.
0: Yeah, he got fired. He was working on a different job, I guess, for this guy. Like he was kind of working on different pieces of two or three jobs. It sounds like um, gets fired because he messed something up on one of the other jobs. And then, yeah, the supposedly the next door neighbor is willing to testify to the police that she saw like this guy pulling everything out of the house on a Sunday. So, wow. And I mean, it's like $10,000 We're like all of the hardwood, half the drywall, all the kitchen cabinets. It's like, it's a lot. I mean, it's a trailer full of stuff. So it's not like some homeless dude was like, I'm going to steal a hammer. Like, no, (laughs) No. this was a guy who knew what was in that house, knew how to get in the house and took everything. So, wow, that's, that's,
1: that's crazy. So you you bought this house for 12 grand, you're putting 50 grand
0: into it. How much are you going to list it for? Uh, Well, (laughs) um, assuming that I can get to market and the market is still where it's supposed to be uh, by this time. I mean, I might get to market in the spring when it's coming back up. I'm kind of frustrated that I'm going to probably end up listing in the winter, which sucks, Uh, but I'm Mm -hmm. hoping to get 95. Um, Honestly, at this point, if it sells for 80, I'll, and it sells quickly. I'll be a happy man to just move on. Um, you know, cause okay. that would still give me 10 after, after all was said and done in profit. Um, and my holding costs aren't that bad, so I'd be okay with that, but I'm hoping to get 95 out of it. And then you, did you find that one also on the MLS or was that a, no, that was a wholesaler. Um, I was at a okay. meetup, uh, last time I was in town over the summer, I hosted a little meetup networking dinner thing. And, uh, one of the guys who's a wholesaler in town who, It's always been someone I've liked his website and whatnot was there. And we were talking, he's like, I got a couple houses. You want to look at any of them? I was like, yeah, sure. So we went and looked at three Mm -hmm. of them and I went under contract. I was going to buy two of them, but one of them had some issues. So we we broke the contract on that. Um, I actually, and I actually gave him, we didn't have earnest money in it, but I gave him a thousand bucks. I was like, look, man, I feel bad for breaking the contract and I want to keep doing business with you. So here's some money anyway. Um, Okay. And then that's uh, big. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that'll hopefully pay off in the long run. I mean, it has, at least in some ways, because he's been asking how the project's going and telling me, like, hey, in the future, if you want to use my contractors, they're solid. I vouch for them, you know. Yep. We yep. can do some work together. And I'm like, Yep,
1: cool. It's basically yeah. relation uh relationship business. That's what I tell people. Similar to that, I had um and I just tell you a quick story. My my attorney in Chicago closing some deals for us and everything like that. And I had a buddy that was working with me, and he was like, "Hey, man, I want to use the attorney to get my LLC set up." So I said, "Yeah, sure. Go ahead, give him a call. You know, I'll call him and let him know that I sent you over." Well, the attorney set up the LLC and everything like that. My buddy never paid, him, you know. So I contact the attorney. I said, "Hey, look, man, I brought him to you. It's it's on me. How much the? You oh, you? it was almost like five hundred bucks. Though I didn't want to pay it." I went on ahead and paid it. And actually just this past week, we closed on a deal where the attorney used his self-directed IRA and we're in a flip together. You know, he was like, man, because you were honorable and doing that, I'm really, really comfortable in doing business with you. And we're looking at doing some more projects, you know, going forward
0: all about relationships.
1: Yep. Yep. And that's what I tell people. I say, yeah, you can, you can stiff a person here, there one or two times, but you won't have a lasting business. You know, it's those people that, that are honorable in their business. That's going to stay and last, last the test of time. So
0: yeah. Yeah, And things like that, where like, you know, that 500 bucks is going to make you a huge return on your money investing with this guy. But that's not why you did it. You just did it because you wanted because you had an attorney you liked and you wanted to be on your journey. Yeah. It's like I, I sent my realtor someone once as a referral and I, I mean, I guess he just turned out to be a real schmuck, um, you know, like looked at like 40, 60 properties and just like lowball And I mean, not even like reasonable investor lowball, but like a house is listed for 30 grand. You offer 20 and then you want 10,000 in repairs, like it's oh, wow. 30 grand. It's not gonna. It's right. It is. like, they're not doing repairs. Well, I, you know, I needs this. It, that's cause it's a flip. That's yeah. That's you cause know. it's 30 grand. They're not going to renovate it for you and sell it to you know? So he was kind of like one of those guys wasting her time. And like, I just basically called the dude and was like, Hey, look, uh, my realtor is not going to work with you anymore. Um, and I'm telling you that because you're wasting her your time and it's getting in the way of my business. Yeah. And, uh, and she was super, you know, relieved yeah and happy about
1: it happy about it okay so and you don't want to list this thing in the winter i definitely know why you know you don't get as much foot traffic much walk traffic uh in the winter in the midwest or anywhere for that for that, <laughs> yeah, anywhere uh, cold people cold don't yeah yeah so now are you you thinking about just holding it till the spring or You just, when they get done with it, just just put it up there.
0: (laughs) Yeah. The moment that thing's done, it's going on the MLS. It doesn't cost me anything to leave it sitting there. So, I mean, even if it shows it's been on the market for like 90 days, it's Missouri. Houses don't always move super fast. So, that's not the end of the world. Okay. Okay. All right. So,
1: now you're doing all of this. You started in 2015. So, you're only four or five years in. You got a 10 unit. You have the duplex. You have this flip that's going on. Um, You're looking at doing some things in the future as far as possibly doing some syndications. Tell me about, you know, this military to
0: millionaire project that you have going on. Yeah, I uh, well, I'm still active duty. And really, I guess two years ago, I decided that I wanted to start documenting what I was doing just so I could like be able to show like in 15 years, if I did grow, you know, blow up, I could be like, look at what I, where I started, where I started. Um, uh-huh. And the other part was I thought about writing a book, not a real estate book, just like a military related book about my deployment. I was like, nobody will read this. So maybe I should start learning to write by building an audience. So I started a blog and then, okay. uh, man, I just led one thing into the next thing. Like all of a sudden my Instagram's got a decent following and I've got a YouTube channel and now I got a podcast and like things have just slowly been, people either like what I'm saying or just like the concept of getting out of the military and having money. Um, and so it's, it's grown. So the whole goal behind it is just to help service members learn how to build wealth through real estate, entrepreneurship, personal finance. Um, it started as just like super real estate, super military. Um, it's kind of grown into where I'm talking about like general military stuff, like our 401k and stuff. Um, it's kind of starting to become this more well-rounded, financial picture, um, and quality of life thing for service members. Um, and we, we've done a whole gauntlet of stuff there. We've got a mastermind group now that meets meets weekly and then has a monthly like guest speaker we bring in and it's all service members and veterans. And, uh, okay. we've got some cool stuff that we're just trying to get out there. I mean, there's some very unique situations that vets run into that other people don't some are benefits. Some are definitely not benefits. Um, and people don't know that. Like a, like a prime example is everyone, or not everyone, but a lot of people know that if you move out of a primary residence, as long as you've lived in it for two of the last five years, you don't have to pay capital gains tax if you sell it. Right. But if you got moved out of it as an active duty guy's guy because you had orders elsewhere, it's actually 15 years, two of the last 15 years. Um, oh, wow. And that's huge. I mean, that's incredible. That could literally save you thousands to yeah. tens to hundreds of thousands of dollars, depending on the property. And guys don't know that because they just, they hear two to five and they don't realize like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But because you were yeah, out, moving, like, yeah. you're totally different. And you've got three times as long to reap that benefit. And a lot of tax people don't even realize that unless they work with veterans. So if you don't bring it up, you may just be throwing capital, mm. capital gains tax at the government that you don't need to.
1: Wow, I just I recently had a podcast episode with
0: Shelby Osborne. I'm oh, she's sure you, awesome! Yeah, yeah, out of out of uh, Fayetteville. We're like we're like homies. Okay, okay, we perfect, crashed an Airbnb perfect. together for like a weekend. <laughs> it was like nine of us in like a little three bedroom for a conference. And we partied it up, and talked real estate, and did podcasts. It was fun.
1: <laughs> yeah, she was telling me about what she's doing in Fayetteville with with five pillars, and it. it just. Kind of mirrors the same thing that you're doing, man, which is excellent because like you said, there's a lot of misinformation out there for uh, vets and active duty members you know when it comes to real estate, and you guys are really putting it out there so everybody can be educated um, so tell me about the podcast, give me the name of the podcast I'll make sure I have all of this information in the show notes, but man, I just want to definitely make sure that the people know what
0: you're doing and and how you're doing it. I appreciate that, brother. Yeah, so the podcast is the Military Millionaire Podcast. And then as far as uh, reaching out on anything else, it's it's really all either from military to millionaire or military millionaire. And you can pretty much type in either one of those keywords uh, in Google, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, whatever, and I theoretically should pop right up. Um, in fact, I've been messing with people to where if you just type in like from M-I-L, I'll pop up in most of those things now because I'm either I'm doing something right or nobody else is even close to my name. So it's <laughs> like, oh, it's this guy, but it works. Okay. So what's, what's your, um, what's your end goal for uh military to millionaire? Hmm. That's a good question. I mean, part of it is that I can essentially not have to do a whole lot of work. I can focus on that. And by that, I mean, like, uh, public speaking. I'd like to travel around bases and help. Uh, I'm a command financial specialist for my uh, for my last two units and I think there's some value there, but I also think there's value in things that veterans don't understand because the military doesn't do a great job of endorsing and teaching like the VA alone. Like everyone knows it exists, but they don't know how to use it. Um, And real estate investing is kind of just like this thing. People are like, oh yeah, I knew this guy who bought a bunch of real estate. Um, But we talk, you know, our programs talk about index funds, 401ks and whatever, but they don't talk about other ways to build wealth. So I'd love to travel and talk about that. Um, One day I would really like to sometime in the next five years host a conference, like a military investor conference. Um, And I don't know what that looks like really yet, but I just know that it would be fun to do. Um, Okay.
1: So yeah, I don't know. Well, you definitely have the audience. You know, there's a lot of active, active duty military and, and vets, you know, so that's definitely promising for you. So what do you think, Dave, uh, what you're doing with Military to Millionaire and your investing strategies? How do you think that's impacting, you know, the community and your community?
0: Well, I mean, the community back in Missouri, obviously, I'm you know, providing some housing and not being a slumlord. So I guess that's a good thing. Um, the military community, I think a lot of it is just showing people that they can, um, you know, I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, you know, it, the military is very supportive in a lot of things, but when it comes to like trying to make money on your own or be an entrepreneur and like go out and do big things, there's a lot of crabs in the bucket. Um, okay, I don't know if you've ever heard that analogy where crabs will like if the, if you don't need a lid on a bucket of crabs, because when one starts to climb out, they'll pull them down. Um, and so there's, I don't want to say that like it's a bad thing, but there's just a lot of people who don't understand. Uh, it's not the mentality of the military to like think like an entrepreneur. And so it's, you know, I've experienced it a lot when I start talking about things and people are just like, yeah, but why would you do that? You can't do that. You know? Um, so just trying to show people like you can, like I bought a 10 unit apartment from across an ocean with like 10 grand, like, less than your car costs. Um, yeah. So it's... And,
1: and, and I'm sure once you tell them stories and get that information out there, man, that they, they're definitely going to be intrigued, you know, to where they can get out of that groupthink and start thinking, you know, individualistic and as an entrepreneur, you know, and that's what you, you're definitely providing for them. So, Dave, we're going to roll into our hot seat portion Um, of the show so I want to tie it all together man I'm going to ask you some brief questions and I want you to answer them as quickly as possible and um, so starting out what would you do differently go bigger go bigger all right I would buy a fourplex Uh, okay fourplex instead of the duplex Mm -hmm. any
0: particular reason why why because there was no reason not to but I just thought oh you know duplex is a good starting point oh yeah but the fourplex would be making me twice as much money right now
1: Okay. And what is your greatest commodity outside of capital? Oh, um,
0: I would say the fact that I'm a power networker. So I'm pretty good at like meeting people and networking. Um, And then I'm creative. Uh, I I think those two are huge. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's how we met. I mean, just networking.
1: So power and networking. I tell people that all the time. Uh, What is, what is one thing you think you can do to be more productive? Outsource more. Perfect.
0: Are you using Are you using VAs at all? Yeah, I have one for uh, editing my podcast, one for editing my YouTube videos, and then one for uh, editing a lot of my writing. Um, but I'm still not good at outsourcing things like bookkeeping or you know preparing my show notes and like. There's just a lot of things that I very well could do better at if I, you know, did.
1: Understood. Understood, man. Uh, what drives your ambition?
0: I guess my why, oh man, uh, you have video. So I can, I can like throw this open and say, I just finished my vision board. Um, but I got you know, all kinds of crazy stuff on here. But really, what drives me at this point is the ability to know that at some point, this, whether it's the real estate or the community or whatever, will allow me to go travel the world or take a week, not a weekend, but a week and go camping with my boys or jump in an RV for a month or just do
1: whatever the hell I want.
0: Yeah, and not have to worry
1: about, hey, I got to go and work in mm. order to make money. So or just be the, able to work from a laptop, you know? Yeah. Yep, you got it. You got it. My wife, she's always jealous of me because she's like, I always got to leave the house and you're around the house doing nothing. I said, no, I'm doing a lot. It's just that I'm not doing what you're normally I'm used doing. I'm doing what seeing. I want. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Uh, Dave, what do you believe is your greatest
0: challenge, internal or external? Hmm. You know, I've struggled a lot and I'm getting better with imposter syndrome as building the community is becoming more is just like, who am I to talk about this crap? I'm just some random schmuck who, you know, I'm not even an officer. I'm an enlisted dude who started as an E5, which if you're familiar with the rank structure is not much on the totem pole. Um, So that like, who am I to talk about this thing? Um, And I just realized, like, I'm just a normal guy who is willing to talk about his pros and his cons and people like that. So Yep. Yep. And, and we don't need that fallacy of everyone being
1: bigger than what they, what they really are, you know, just be you and, you know, that community of build and people will see, Hey, this guy's really out here doing deals, you know, really out here moving and shaking. So uh, what's
0: the latest business book you've read? I, what did I just finish? I'm rereading the four hour work week. I just finished Oh, I can't think of the book I just finished online. Um, I finished, well, that one's, I guess, as a business book. Um, can we just go with the four-hour work? Week? Yeah, 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 man. We'll just go with that. I'm in the middle of that. That's, one of, my, that's <laughs> one of my favorites. This is like my third time reading it again. Um, I love that book. I, I read too much, apparently, so.
1: No, that's good, man. And what's, what's the uh, latest or your greatest real estate book you've read?
0: Uh, you know, I'm reading one called invest in debt right now, which is like 30, 35 years old. And so some of it doesn't pertain anymore. I mean, it's old enough that like the book has calculators as the tool to work through everything. Um, not to say the calculators are invalid, but like there's a chapter where it talks about like which business calculator you should buy rather than like, just go on Google and type this (laughs) in, you know? Um, Right. But it's written by a guy named Jim Napier, and it's all about debt. And so it's very interesting to me because it's things people don't talk about, things that I have done well or not done well and should have done, that I didn't even realize with notes and seller financing. So, like for example, on my seller financing, this guy, I probably could have called him January first and said, "Hey, I know I'm supposed to pay you 187, whatever it was, uh, every month this year, which comes out to I don't know. We'll just say 2400, which is wrong. But what if I just give you two grand?" And I give it to you right now right now. Um, and I would have been able to cut out one or two months' worth of payments, probably, because he probably would have been down for that. i mean i did I did well when I basically didn't pay interest on the remaining three years of the loan. You know, so that was a really good move. But this book is all about how to manipulate debt so that everybody's happy, but you're making a huge return. so it's even it even talks about like if someone owes me a if i'm if someone's paying me back at ten percent interest, and I say, hey, how about we pay it back at 5% interest, but we cut two years off the loan and you give me a little bit extra and and they go for it. Like, well, yeah, I'm getting 5% interest instead of 10% interest, but because it took this long instead of this long, it's actually worth way more to me. Than, way than more. It's, so it's a very interesting book on how to look at notes and mortgages. Um, and man, it's, it's, it's cool. It's not necessarily real estate specific, but it's all wrapped around mortgages. So.
1: Well, it's just being strategic, man. It's being strategic.
0: It's things well, people don't think about.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, like you said, everybody's just used to a 30 year mortgage or 15 year, but there's there's different ways to strategize in order to make, make some money. Yeah. So Dave, I really want to appreciate it, man. Um, I have all of your contact information. Let's go over it one more time. Give me the podcast, how we can reach you, how we can touch
0: you so we can help you in your community. The military millionaire podcast. And you can reach me at from military to millionaire.com. And that's not the number two, but spelled out to And And uh, yeah, I'm on Instagram and Facebook at the same from military to millionaire. I'm on YouTube too. Uh, so you should go subscribe there. Cause I don't know. i not growing as fast as I want it to. No, it's tons actually, of, it's actually well, starting to take off. So yeah, you got tons of videos on there. I
1: was on there. You got about 200 videos on there. So there's a lot of investing information there, you know, on the YouTube channel, also the podcast. So guys, I'll make sure I have all of that information in the show notes so you can talk with Dave and be a follower and see exactly what he's doing. Um, he, you're an inspiration, Dave. I just want to sit tell you that personally uh from what you're doing because some of the things that we talked about, man, just you pulling the trigger doing the flip from you know two thousand miles away, you know, you buying a house or or multifamily while you're in Hawaii and only seeing two units, I'll be freaked out doing that, man. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, it, uh, it's, it's different, but you know, but you pulled the trigger. So man, I definitely want to thank you. And guys again, you can follow us Um, on my YouTube channel, everything. You know how to get in touch with me. I'll have all of that information in the show notes as well as Dave's contact information. So Dave, thank you. I appreciate it again, man. And you have a good one. Always remember to enjoy the journey.
0: Absolutely, brother. You have a great one too. Thanks for
1: having me. Thank you for listening to today's show. I picked up some great actionable items and I'm sure you did as well. If so, let me know. You can always reach me via social media at facebook.com slash MRCS Maloney, Twitter at MRCS Maloney, and of course, IG at MRCS Maloney. You can also always reach me via email at mmaloney at equityri.com. Make sure you reach out to our guests as well. You can always find their contact information in the show notes below. If you have not subscribed already, what are you waiting for? Join the family. And while you're at it, leave us a five-star review. This is how we tell if we're providing you with what you need for your journey. If there's someone you would like for me to interview, or if there's a subject matter you would like for me to cover, please let me know. Finally, if you're looking for additional information about real estate investing, Go to equityrealestateblog.com. Also, youtube.com slash Marcus Maloney. Until next time, family, always enjoy the journey.